welcome to Talent Hub Talk. I am Ben Duncan, and this is a place where prominent and inspirational figures from both the local ANZ and global Southwest Ohana share their stories. In today's episode, I welcome back Sam Holt, the founder of Data Importer. Sam was a guest on the show around 12 months ago, just as he was launching the product and before he had any paying customers. We invited Sam back on the show to hear how the last 12 months have been, what he has learned, how the business has grown and his plans for the future. Sam is building in public, so I highly recommend following him on LinkedIn and Twitter if you are interested in growing your own business or building a product of your own because he is very transparent with the growth, the pain points, and the story of the business and the growth. I hope you enjoyed the episode, and if you do, please do subscribe for future episodes that are coming through. Sam, welcome back. Thanks for having me back. No, it's good to have you, and uh, I've been a big fan of what you've been doing in the public eye and uh, been keeping on top of the progress of your business. For anyone that didn't listen to the first episode we recorded, it was December 2021, I think we've agreed on, and and at that point, you'd kind of launched the product. You um, didn't have any paying customers. You just started to get a few customers. But I guess also for the benefit of anyone that is listening to you for the first time, can you give us a bit of an overview of who you are, but also who, what the product is? Yeah, sure. So yeah, my name's Sam. I'm originally from New Zealand and have just recently moved back here from Germany. And I guess my intro into the Salesforce ecosystem was working as a, an accidental admin for a company here in New Zealand. Worked there for a few years and then moved over to Germany where I worked as a Salesforce consultant before launching Data Importer towards the end of 2021. And I guess Data Importer really came from my own experience working with data loading, integrations, and seeing some of the common issues that I ran into, like being able to undo imports, test out jobs before I run them, schedule jobs and stuff like that. And so I built Data Importer to, I guess, make data loading and integrations as easy as possible for both admins and consultants. And so that's what I've been working on for the past year and a bit. And at what point were you um, all in on that? Like, because I know you you were obviously working as a consultant and, and so on. So have you now jumped in in your full time into the business? Yeah, no. So I was actually, I guess it's a little bit more unusual than, than most, but I quit my job and then went all in on Data Importer straight away. So I, I at no point in time have I kind of been doing consulting or any kind of work on the side. I guess I did that because, um, one, I was kind of wanting a change of scene anyway, right? So I thought that was kind of a, a good opportunity to make that leap. I guess I felt like I was the type of person who kind of needed to be all in on something to focus on it properly and not kind of just do something at 50%. And then if it was a bit slow or a bit challenging that I would kind of think, or oh, I will just go back to consulting full time. So I kind of wanted to jump in the deep end as it was and focus on data importer for a period of time. And then after that, if it wasn't working out, I would, I could look to do something else. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I like that approach. I think uh, being all in it kind of, obviously you have the fallback option of looking for something else, but takes away the distraction, gives you that focus to really make the most of, of what's in front of you. So like we said, um, back in December, you'd launched the product, um, you were full time on it and you didn't have any paying customers. So we're now uh, recording mid-January 2023. What's changed? Yeah, so I guess there's quite a lot has changed with the product and with the business and where it's all at. So yeah, in that kind of year period, I grew up from zero to 100,000 in ARR. So 
it's at the point where it can kind of support me financially, which is obviously a, a big important thing as a, a bootstrap founder who kind of hasn't raised any capital for the business. I'm relying on the, the business as my own income. So it's got to a point where it can fully support me there. In terms of customers, it's just shy of 50 paying customers, but there's also more than kind of 500 companies in whole who have used Data Importer at some point in time. So I'm pretty happy with how it's grown, really. My goal for the year, so for end of 2022, was to get to 5K MRR. I kind of set that as the point for myself where it would be enough where I could kind of pay the bills and then continue to grow up from there. So it's definitely, yeah, exceeded my expectations so far. Yeah, nice. And have you ever... Uh any point considered like changing tact in terms of um, looking at capital raises, things like that? Yeah, so I have at points in time, I guess one of them was basically another player in the ecosystem offered to purchase Data Importer in total and another one also offered to, to invest in Data Importer. And I definitely considered both of those things. Both of the companies were kind of people who had, who I thought would do really well with the product, would be able to integrate it into their own companies really well. But I guess just with the growth trajectory of how it was going, I wanted to see how far I could take it myself. You know, it's kind of like a, a personal challenge for me to see how far I can take Data Importer without needing to get external help. And in terms of kind of proactively going out and raising money, I guess the approach that I'm taking or how I'm looking at data important is to maintain a good work-life balance, which we can talk about a little bit about later on as well. And I didn't want to have that external pressure of kind of always looking to raise that next round, always looking to hit milestones and targets, growing a big team. And I think especially in this kind of economic environment that we've had in 2022 and what's happened with valuations for SaaS companies, um, I think that's played out pretty well so far. Yeah, for sure. It must be a really proud moment for you when you are getting like people coming to you and offering to be involved in the business and to take on either a stake or to take full ownership of, of the company. And also it must be quite hard to say no to that sometimes like because with a lot of businesses, the goal is to sell. So it's uh, very noble to, to see that as like part of the journey for you that you're still on. You know, you've not succeeded yet in terms of what you want to achieve and you can still see that there's further growth ahead. Have there been times though throughout, it can't all be plain sailing, right? So it sounds like things have been going really well, but there must've been some challenges along the way. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's definitely been like down months, right? Where the revenue one month has been less than the month before. And that's kind of like, you kind of have it in the back of your head. Is this, the, is this just a, a blip on the radar or is this something that's going to continue, you know? Um, and then I guess seeing headlines from around the world in the Salesforce ecosystem, you know, Salesforce themselves doing big layoffs, other companies in the in the ecosystem doing layoffs as well. You kind of think are all of these things kind of coming together to make things a lot more challenging for Data Importer than it has been in the past year. But I guess I've just been kind of putting my head down and focusing on the products, talking with customers. And as long as I'm confident that the existing customers that I have are getting really good value out of Data Importer um, and that the pool of potential um, customers who could use Data Importer is still there, which I'm, I'm pretty confident it is then that's just what I've been focusing on. So yeah, there's definitely been times where um, it hasn't been growing as fast as I would want to, or I have been able to release features as quick as I would have liked to, where I've thought, you know, having a support team or having a team of developers to kind of help me would make things go faster. But just thinking of the, the kind of three to five year plan of where I want data imported to be at that stage, it makes it a lot easier on the month to month kind of ups and downs just to focus on a longer term plan. Mm -hmm. And is it just you still? 
Yeah, so it's just me doing everything at the moment. So doing all of the marketing, all of the development, all of that stuff. I've kind of looked into, in 2023, getting some additional help, whether that's in terms of customer support or development or some sales to kind of, you know, help continue to grow the business and maintain the quality that I've kind of set for myself so far. But for the moment, it's just me doing everything, yeah. And, and where, where are your customers? Um, like where are we talking geographically? So it's actually a pretty good representation of the Salesforce customer base overall. So you're kind of looking at 60 to 65% in the United States or North America, I should say, including Canada. There's a reasonable amount of customers in the UK, France, Germany, Poland, that kind of European space. And then also some companies down in Australasia, but that's a, a much smaller number, right? I guess if you look at the kind of Salesforce customer distribution globally, it, it matches up pretty well with what data importers distribution is. Yeah. I mean, the, the reason I ask that question is because support for you must be a nightmare, right? If you're the only person and you're, you're now in New Zealand and you've got customers all over the world, it's not a friendly time zone to be in, right? So is that causing any problems for you or are you, uh, are you having to reply to emails in the middle of the night? Yeah, there's definitely times where, um, you know, I'll be kind of in bed and an email will come in or a, or a live chat or something will come in and I'll, I'll spend a little bit of time in bed answering it. But yeah, I guess it's been a, a bit of a balancing act in terms of, you know, managing expectations that they're not going to have someone answering instantly 24-7, but that I will kind of respond as soon as I can. And that's always within one business day. So yeah, it's a balancing act in terms of managing expectations as well as providing the best support that I can. I've also been trying to focus um, improving the documentation and stuff like that as well. So a lot of the questions that would be asked um, or the commonly asked questions, I can kind of push people towards the documentation as opposed to them always needing to come to me directly. But um, it's still fine for now. But that's where I said, <laughs> I guess, going forward as the number of customers expands in all different time zones, that having that additional support would be would be good. And who are you learning from? Because you've obviously you've never run a software company prior to this. I do see like a Chris from Blackthorn, uh, like he's engaged in your posts and obviously he's got a really successful business. So have you got people like him that you can lean on and ask advice? Like, you know, how do you improve churn, things like that, which I guess only someone that has run a software company really understands the pain of. Yeah. So Chris is a really good example of someone in the Salesforce ecosystem, right? So I guess in the Salesforce space, you're kind of, yeah, there's a limited number of companies. I mean, there's obviously a lot of ISVs or, or app developers in the Salesforce space, but ones where I can kind of look up to have a one-to-one -one contact with that's a little bit limited. So Chris is definitely a good one. He's really open with things like metrics, with any new development that they have going on, how he's set up his company processes and things like that. So that's been really, really helpful to learn from. There's also some other people outside of the Salesforce space. So there's one called Data Fetcher, which is basically like a data importer, but for Airtable. And so um, he's a bit further ahead in the journey than I am. So being able to yeah, read from some of the things that he's dealing with in terms of yeah, different requests that he's getting for customers, integrations that are being requested. So I guess there's quite a lot of different people in the ecosystem that I can learn from. And I guess because Data Importer isn't a native Salesforce product, it's meant that I can also learn a lot from people who don't necessarily have anything to do with Salesforce in terms of like infrastructure and different challenges that they're facing as well. But I guess that's a good thing with the kind of build in public movement and that people are quite willing to, to help out and, and offer their expertise.
Yeah, I was going to say, like, have you found that founders of companies are quite approachable? And obviously it seems that you have. And, and that's like when you mentioned about Chris being really clear with these metrics, that's one thing I, I've seen, like that journey of, um, of Blackthorn. Like he's obviously further ahead in terms of growth um, of the business, the scale, but it's really interesting to see what he posts on LinkedIn. And you get like this visibility of a company that's already like a decent sized company, but you still get clarity on you know, what's going well, what's not going well. And, and I love that. And is that your plan just to continue with that? Like keep posting, keep being visible? Yeah, so there's definitely, I think it definitely changes over time. Like as the company grows and matures and the types of customers that you're attracting changes, then you kind of have to change your your approach and building in public a little bit. So one thing which I've kind of learned over the past year or so is that as Data Importer gets more visible and that there's bigger and bigger companies, I guess, wanting to use it or, or looking to purchase it, just being a little bit more careful about the perception that I'm giving off in public is something that I'm having to think about it a lot more. So not making it appear that it's a very immature product and that it's, you know, it's kind of teetering and could fall over at any moment, which it obviously isn't. But some people have that perception if they look on LinkedIn and see that I've developed an integration and it's live within a few weeks or something, right? They kind of think, oh, it must not work very well or it must be yeah not tested well and all of that kind of stuff. So just making sure that I'm changing the perception of data important, that it is a maturing company, that it's a product that they can rely on is something which I'm being a bit more conscientious about. But yeah, I'm still planning to be open as much as I can. I think that's been really, worked really well just for building trust in the ecosystem because they get people who start using a product or reach out to me wanting to purchase on the product and they say, oh yeah, I think I saw some LinkedIn post from you about some new integration or from someone else who was talking about the product. And I guess some of the other players in the space are very closed with what they post or they don't post anything at all. And it's just kind of a big black box. So I think people have found that a bit refreshing and which has worked so far. Yeah, 100%. And I think there's so many stories out there in the market about like startups and the journey they've been on. Like if you've like, read books about Airbnb or, you know, all of these companies, they all started somewhere and they, they typically started with people in an apartment <laughs> doing work, answering support requests in bed at night. Like, so that's just the reality of building businesses, right? And um, it doesn't mean that the product isn't great or, or isn't fit for purpose it just means that you're at that stage of your journey and and I do agree like that's why I wanted to get you back on the podcast because I love what you're doing in, in terms of building in public and giving people that visibility and kind of taking people on the journey with you I feel like when you post successful things about reaching certain milestones the feedback you get on that post is awesome like seeing people that say like they love the product and you only get that because you've been open and um, transparent with the journey like people feel invested in the journey as well exactly yeah it's been really cool and amazing to see people who have kind of been using the product for a long time and been really great supporters for, for better or for worse. I still get lots of feedback about Data Importer, whether it's new features or something that's annoying them about the interface or whatever, which has been really helpful for, I guess, the continued development of the product. I guess some people that I've spoken to have said they've kind of struggled to get feedback from their users just because they're unwilling to give it. But I definitely haven't had that issue so far. So being able to be really active in talking with customers and users and continually develop the product has been working really well. So what do you most like about your job? Because you you do everything, right? You're the product manager, you're the support person, you're you're the developer, the marketer. The, if you could just pick one of those tasks in the future to do, what would it be that you choose? Yeah, I, I would probably focus on the the problem solving side of things. So I guess that leans more towards the development side of things. 
in terms of, yeah, I guess where Data Importer was born from was my own experiences and frustrations with loading data and integrations, like I mentioned. So I guess just being able to continually improve those experience for other people in the ecosystem was what I really enjoy the most and being able to, you know, show people a product that they can reduce the amount of time that they're spending, take away stress from their job of needing to do daily uploads and and worrying about screwing something up with their data. So being able to solve those challenges is, is really, really cool. So I'd probably want to focus on that. I guess I don't have a, a background in, in sales and marketing, so I'm kind of have been learning as I'm going and being able to learn from other people is really good as well. But I think there's people who are way better out there than me at that. So I would probably look to focus on the problem solving, the development side of things and and get some help on the sales and marketing side. And now, how are you approaching marketing? Yeah, so I guess being a a bootstrapped founder, you have to be a little bit more resourceful with what you focus on. And so not, I guess, you know, going out and spending tens or hundreds of thousands on paid search and figuring out what works or what doesn't and then going from there. So what I've been doing is focusing on the content side of things. So being as active as I can on social. So on LinkedIn and Twitter, guest posts, people like Salesforce Ben has worked really well. So I guess I kind of, for if, if there's anyone out there kind of wondering how you can do that, you can kind of just reach out to Salesforce Ben with some blog ideas that you have and say, hey, look, here's some topics that I'm really passionate about and have some experience and knowledge about that I think people will find helpful. Um, And then you can just get into a discussion with them about whether it would make sense to write some articles. So that's worked really well. I've done webinars with other people in the ecosystem. So other consultants, developers as well. That's worked really well. And then what I'm, I guess, looking to start do a lot more this year is focus on things like testimonials and customer success stories and things like that, I guess, as the business matures and I have more and more customers being able to showcase all of the different use cases for data importer um, is really important because that's also changed quite a lot over the past 12 months is the number of people and types of roles that could actually use data importer. You know, at the start, it was very much focused on the the admin who was kind of doing the manual data loading, whereas now there's a lot more consultants using it, other app developers. And so being able to kind of get some customer stories from some brand recognizable names in the industry is going to be a big focus this year as well. And have you, um, obviously there's the return of events now. So when we would have spoken back in December, there weren't like face-to-face events happening as regularly. Now that they are, are you are you seeing value in going to them and having a presence at, at like local and international events? Yeah. So while I was still over in Europe for all of last year, I went over to a couple of events. So I went to the London's Calling event um, in London, obviously. And then I also went to the You're Dreaming event in Amsterdam. And so that was really cool for a couple of reasons. One was to just meet new people in the ecosystem. So being able to talk face-to-face with other consultants, other app developers, and just and other Salesforce customers was really cool just to meet new people in the ecosystem. And also I was able to actually meet some users and customers of Data Importer face-to-face, right? Which had kind of been not possible before that. So it was, yeah, there were, there were really good experiences. I'm also going to the event in Auckland in March, be actually be sponsoring the event. So that will be the first kind of sponsorship for, for Data Importer at a Salesforce event. So I'm really looking forward to, yeah, meeting some of the local New Zealand community and seeing how that sort of thing goes as well. Yeah, awesome. 
So um, obviously we know you exceeded the target you'd set yourself for 2022. What do you hope to achieve in if we if we were to do this again in um, a year's time? What what would 2023 have looked like for you in an ideal world? I guess my my overall goal is to double revenue. So looking to get to 20k MRR, so 20,000 revenue per month. I want to add on average a new integration every month. So looking to add 12 integrations into Data and Porter this year. So some of the ones that I'm working on currently are Stripe, QuickBooks, and Zero. So those are kind of some of the most requested ones from existing companies um, and existing customers that they want to add more and more of their systems into Data and Porter. Yeah, so focusing on some of those things as well. And I guess just getting into a bit better of a rhythm in terms of how I focus my time on development and marketing. So there's a, an approach that a few people use for solo founders is they just do one week development, one week marketing and kind of flick back and forth between kind of keep them on, on rotation, if you like, because I've found that sometimes I will be working on a new feature and then I'll think, oh, I could write a blog article. So then I'll go start writing the blog article and then the feature takes a bit more time and then I don't you know, finish and proofread the blog article and I go back to the feature. And so it just slows the whole process down or I'll get feedback from a customer. Hey, it would be really cool to have this be able to work. So then I'll go working on, go start working on that. I guess now that I'm in a bit more of a stable state where I don't need to, I guess, continuously do every feature that every customer requests, just being able to focus my time on, okay, this week I'm going to focus on marketing and I'm going to write three blog articles, I'm going to update the website and do this podcast or whatever. Yeah, is a big focus for this year. And I think that will help with the overall process, just keeping in a bit of a rhythm. Nice. Well, it's um, it's awesome to see you doing so well and um, exceeding where you wanted to be. And I'm sure this year will be equally as successful. I'd love to revisit in a year's time and see what's happened. So we'll have to, we'll have to schedule something for Jan next year. Um, but yeah, really, really good to have you back and uh, congrats on the success so far. And I'm sure it will continue. I know last time, obviously, if people were reaching out, is LinkedIn still the best place to, to hit you up? And also Twitter, I think. Yeah, so if you find LinkedIn's probably going to be the best place. So if you just search Sam Holt on LinkedIn, there's probably only going to be a couple of us there. So either through that or just through the website, dataimporter.io, you'll be able to find me there as well. Awesome. Well, thanks so much and look forward to catching up again soon. Yeah, thanks for your time, Ben. So that's a wrap for this week's episode and thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the chat and if you did, please make sure you have subscribed for future episodes that are coming through. I would also be very grateful if you would consider leaving a review on your chosen podcast platform as five-star reviews will help us to reach more trailblazers from across the world. I look forward to sharing another episode with you soon and thanks again.